Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to New Books in Critical Theory. This is a podcast that's part of the New Books Network. On this episode, I'm talking to Nuala Morse about the museum as a space of social care. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, This is both a really interesting book. Um, I think it's quite an important book in terms of uh, museum studies, you know, the, the field, but also it speaks very directly to um, policy and, and practitioner debates that are going on, not just in the UK, actually, but in various uh, parts of the world about what the kind of function, meaning, purpose of, of the museum is. Um, and it's an interesting time to be thinking, as the book does, about what a museum is for and how we could kind of conceive or reconceive of it as an institution. And I guess the place to start with the book is, is with the kind of key term that's in the title, which is this idea of care. Um, And within the kind of museum studies field, I'm interested in why you chose to kind of focus on care, why you wanted to write a book about the idea of the museum as a space of social care, and indeed what the kind of approach of, uh, I think you call it care thinking, is that you bring to the book. Yeah, definitely. Um, I suppose... The book and the idea of a care comes from researching the museum on the ground. So when I set out to do this work, I'd never really intended to write about care. What I'd intended to do with the book was to look at participatory practice in the museum. So to look at um, the work that community engagement workers do on the ground. And it was through looking at their practice, that I came to think about care and that later in the book I came to to write about care. Um, And I I suppose there's different reasons why why I did that. So community engagement in the museum is is all part of the drive to democratise museums, to make them more accessible to a range of different people, including people who don't usually visit the museum. And community engagement workers are professionals within the museum who who do that work, and that can take lots of different um, forms. It could be inviting people to come and handle the collections or involving people in a community exhibition, or it might be about doing kind of behind-the-scene tours. And Although this practice has been going on for many years, what I always found interesting that it was really it hadn't really been fully articulated or really looked at very closely. So you know, people write about curatorial work, people write about conservation work, they even write about management in the museum, but no one was really writing about that um, practice of community engagement, and that's what I wanted to do. And sorry, go on. Yeah, and, and so as I came to um, look at that practice and at what people were doing, it, it became 
clear to me that the best way to articulate the qualities of this work was to start thinking about it and talking about it as a form of care work, as um, relational work between the museum and its publics, using museum objects and using that within what I describe as practices of care. And there was also another clear reason for me to, to want to write about care in the museum was the, because the because this work of community engagement, there's a growing um, area now within museums where museums are developing partnerships with healthcare and social care partners. And so museums are starting to work in spaces of formal care with people who are accessing formal care, whether that's through mental health services or um, working even in hospitals or working with stroke um, associations. So there's this, this kind of growing sense in which the museum is entering spaces of formal care. And so looking at that practice as a type of museum care, what does the museum bring to those um, partnerships and to those engagement sessions? That was also what I wanted to look at through through this idea of care in the museum. I mean, you set up lots of the interesting uh, kind of trajectories through the book and um, particularly actually thinking about what the role of these workers uh, actually is and how they relate to the kind of you know broader um, institutions in which they're they're placed things like the various kind of logics that underpin um, community engagement when it's done kind of well and, and when it's done badly but I suppose but before we you know kind of go any deeper into some of these uh, bigger questions. There's also an element of the book that is about the setting and kind of where it took place. Um, and, and you mentioned actually, you know, you talked about these new and emerging uh, partnerships with other organisations, the idea of um, a particular sort of um, care work as being one way to interpret community engagement. But if all of that is kind of, you know, trends in the museum sector, the other thing the book is about is about a place and a particular uh, museum service. And, and I wonder if you could kind of introduce, uh, obviously, you know, time where archives and museums is, is, is the case study, but it did strike me as well. There's probably a need to kind of talk about maybe the northeast of England a bit as well in terms of the specific dynamics of what uh, that museum service is, is kind of trying to do and, and you know where it is it's situated as well. Yeah so Tyne and Weir Archive and Museums like you say it's the main case study for the book so it's so the book is a, is a single case study really um, that of research that I undertook over a period of about eight years um, from about 2012 to about 2018. Tyne and Weir Archives and Museums is a large regional museum service it's composed of nine different venues and so it holds a whole range of different collections everything from science and technology to social history archaeology um you know art gallery collections um as well as a, a kind of internationally renowned archive and it and across its different sites which are situating across Tyne and Weir um, it, it's very much a, a, a kind of local authority museum. So most of the venues are free, um, very family friendly, orientated public programming. And actually a really interesting museums in terms of it has a really long standing tradition and commitment to community engagement work. And that really dates back to 
you know, the, the kind of 90s, um, in, in particular when it was under the directorship of David Fleming, um, where there was a, a concerted effort to, 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 to create a popular museum, so a, a museum of and for the people. And that was primarily through its social history collections and through its social history stories. So a sense of wanting to tell stories from below and to tell um, stories that everyone could connect to. Part of that was also the establishment in the 90s of um, something that was called the People's Gallery. And the People's Gallery was a community engagement-led gallery. So what that meant was that um, the community engagement team would work with a range of different communities, so everything from punk punk rockers to um, kids in skate parks to working with mental health organisations and working with groups long-term to co-create exhibitions, so to, to tell people's stories in their own voice. And I suppose this is all happening in the context of the northeast of England, which is... I suppose, by and large, um, an area that's very far from, you know, the idea of culture in London, perhaps, um, but where there's a really kind of strong sense of its social history and a strong sense of culture in 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 a in a more everyday sense, I suppose. By and large, as well, a an area that um, which holds some of the most deprived wards in the UK so you know the idea of of a lot of the work that's happening within this book is also about recognizing and addressing that in different ways so recognizing um the fact that you know museums should be public museums so how do we encourage different people who aren't visiting to visit museums and also in terms of the work of the community engagement team that was a lot about working with um, marginalised groups that weren't accessing the museum, but that were kind of socially marginalised in lots of different ways. So the museum has always seen itself as having a role to respond to its communities in a really purposeful manner. I mean, one thing that struck me, both in terms of the, the early parts of the book, um, but also actually what, what you were saying there about um, Tyne and Weir Archives and Museum Service attempting to, um, I think you put it as, you know, be a kind of popular uh, museum and, and think about um, communities that were maybe not engaged is, um, maybe this is overstating it, you, you can possibly correct me, but there's a real sense of, you know, a kind of a critical um, take on community engagement done badly or might even say done wrong um with a sense that uh, you're trying to build this idea of you know the museum as a space of social care being a positive and a you know a, a much kind of better model for doing community engagement and i wonder you know to what extent does the case study you know does that museum and the museum service kind of fit the sense of um community engagement done well or, you know, are there elements of kind of community engagement done badly in the case study as well? I think it's exactly both. So the museum as a space of social care is an idea for rethinking the museum. 
And China Weir gave me an opportunity to, I suppose, discover that in action in lots of different places. So I think China Weir is 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 kind of an emergent form of a museum as a space of social care. I think if you know that museum is underpinned by practices of care, and I think that's the most significant element. I suppose you know the book is about practice. It's not just about kind of creating a new museum it's about thinking about the work that we do or the work that museum professionals do in order to create new forms of institutions. So Tyne and Weir is an example of a place where they're doing really what I would say quite groundbreaking community engagement work particularly recently in the ways that they've been thinking about their work in really strategic and purposeful ways and so that has been about often doing less work so doing you know sometimes having to make decisions about a a kind of clear program of work which is long term which is embedded in communities and which is working with key health and social care partners for a long period of time so that the work is more embedded and it has kind of a longer term impact on those people that are taking part in programming. So so definitely, I think there are, and there always has been, if you look at the kind of work that they've done over the last kind of 20 years, which I touched upon in the book, there's really great practice. And indeed, Tyne and Weir is often held up as a, a kind of leading museum for its outreach and community work. The book really takes a kind of deep dive into the institution and it's a kind of, oh, to some extent, a kind of warts and all, isn't it? So it does throw up moments of community engagement, not really community, bad community engagement, but what I'm more interested in in the book is looking at what the institutional resistances to community engagement work, okay? So I'm looking at where the institution itself kind of pulls up barriers to the ambitions of doing good community engagement work. And so I'm really interested in, well, in all the bureaucratic features of a museum that means that its ambitions to be open, to be engaging, to invite communities in, I'm interested when that falls falls through. Yeah, I mean, that, that's one of the kind of key chapters you, you talk about, Um both attention, but also, yeah, those kind of moments of, of, of barriers, brick walls almost, that um, things like performance management, audits um, kind of hit um, for community engagement and community engagement staff. But also, I guess, in some ways, how they're kind of enabled um, but by some of those regimes. And this is one of those things that I think the ethnographic work works, you know, really, really well to tease out. And it'd be interesting i think to to hear a bit more actually both on that point you just made about you know how are things constrained by uh, bureaucracy but also i guess to, to what extent are they enabled as as well and how um these elements of, of audit and, and bureaucracy are actually experienced by those who are trying to do this form of com- community engagement within the museum so to let you point out the book is that is is ethnographic. So I spent 18 months kind of being with the community engagement team. And through those conversations and a lot of formal interviews, we also reviewed how has their practice changed. 
And for a lot of people in that team, it's quite a well-established team with people with, you know, a lot of job retention. So people who'd been working in these jobs for several years now. So they were able to kind of articulate what had been the drivers for community engagement work. And primarily, you know, it was about looking at the kind of period of new labour investment in culture and the ways in which that kind of developed a, a kind of culture of audit in the museum by, 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 I suppose, by attaching targets, really, to funding. So, you know, the Department of Culture, Media and, and, and Sports was was investing hugely in in outreach work in museums but all of this had to be quantified and you know there was a sense that the work was really being driven by by getting targets by hitting targets by how many people can you get in in the museum so there were quarterly targets and annual targets and that became the way in which people were experiencing the work that they were doing so you know that kind of colloquial phrase of bums on seats? There was a kind of sense that that was what was happening as well with some of the community engagement work. And, you know, that, that sense of, of, I guess it's driven by regimes of accountability in public funding. And this is kind of one of the consequences of it on, on, on how it was experienced by the people that I was talking to. And another way in which this was experienced, I suppose, was the great speed at which people had to work. So, you know, a piece of funding would come in, you'd have to engage X number of people from this community, and then you'd roll on to the next thing, and it'd be, you know, another 20 people from the Chinese diaspora, and then you'd be hitting the next target. And so the people who I was talking to about how they worked were describing, you know, a sense of fatigue, a sense of kind of anxiety at how fast this was going as well and also a feeling that this wasn't necessarily having any significant impact because you were always moving on to the next thing so they described their work as kind of you know a kind of merry-go-round of going from one project to another a kind of scattergun approach because you know one funding bid would be linked to like I said you know working with I don't know, young people not engaging in educational training. And then the next pot of funding would be about engaging with the Yemeni community in South Shield. So kind of like scattergun approach to community engagement work. And another way in which they experienced their work as well was that often because of the speed, you know, the community engagement work would be the, the element that was tacked on, bolted on, to a funding proposal as a bit of an afterthought, usually within a large exhibition um, funding proposal, and that it was just, you know, tacked on in a way that, you know, we would come to that later sort of thing. So, you know, a, a professional team that felt that their work wasn't embedded in a strategic way in the museum bureaucracies, and a feeling that their work wasn't having the impact that it could on the communities that it wanted to work with or that it wanted to support. So, and, and, and all of these things, I suppose, they're not, you know, they're, they're linked, like I said, to those regimes of accountability and, and they're kind of an un, unintended consequence, I suppose, of, of the way that funding has operated. 
And what's been interesting at Tyne and Weir is that when that you know with successive government changes and changes in cultural policy, that those imperatives they've not gone away completely, but they're not um, they're not there as much in in that kind of way. I think the sector has also learnt more broadly um, about the issues of targets and how that can work against kind of embedding or more long-term strategic community engagement work. So that gave the opportunity for the team to really rethink the work that they were doing and to think about it far more strategically and to develop a long-term plan. And this long-term plan was all about saying, what is the museum for? What is it that we're trying to do? Who are our communities? And what are the greatest need within our communities? And Zoe Brown, who leads you know, who, who led the, the outreach team at Tyne and Weir, she brought her team together and it was clearly about saying, actually, the needs in our communities, if we look at things such as the, um, you know, what the council is saying in terms of where the greatest needs are in our communities, then they are actually about the health, the, you know, the deep health inequalities that we see in the northeast. And for her, it was about saying, well, how does the museum address that? How does the work that we do using culture for creative, positive experiences with people who are otherwise, you know, who are marginalised from society and who might be accessing all these other care services, how does the museum bring a benefit to them? And how does the museum kind of address these bigger societal questions? And from that, she made the decision that actually we're going to stop doing some things and we're going to focus on how the museum might be addressing health inequalities. And that's where their programme of work has developed from. So now their programme of work is focusing particularly on um, working with um, older adults, working in partnership with mental health services and the probation service, working in partnership with Um, associations that support stroke survivors and working with associations that support people um, in drug and alcohol services. This is very much the museums and some social care, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. I was really struck by, you made a comment almost in passing about, you know, the idea of sometimes this work is kind of tacked on to funding bids or, or is a slight afterthought and it took me back almost to where where our conversation started where you know you kind of talked you you mentioned the idea of curatorial practice and you know the kind of uh, status of, of these staff members in the museum and it was really interesting in in the, the middle of the book and, and actually it kind of opened up um, maybe where we'll start to conclude as as well the question of how the workers kind of thought of them themselves um because in some ways like you know as you'd illustrated with with bureaucracy um they're actually you know the the idea of kind of switching to um we're going to have a longer term focus on um you know how the museum contributes to to health outcomes these sorts of things suggest you know there's a lot of kind of curatorial um skill or you know kind of curatorial practice involved but at the same time 
there is an element of the community outreach uh, team and community engagement practitioners not having the same status as in the kind of formal traditional curators. And, and I was really struck by, I guess, the way they negotiated that in a museum that was, you know, incredibly kind of supportive and sympathetic, but still with the best will in the world is a museum <laughs> with, you know, kind of uh, certain hierarchies, certain, um, you know, maybe sort of traditional practices. And yeah, I, I suppose a question that comes from that is, this sense of, you know, what's the professional status almost um, of community engagement uh, and practitioners and, and teams? And, and maybe actually is this somewhere where uh, our Tyne and Weir case study might be slightly unusual and slightly different as compared to other museums? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, so I suppose in terms of of how the museum professionals saw themselves in the work that they did, there was a, a kind of sense that, a, a real kind of paradox, I suppose, is what I talk about in the book, that, you know, like you say, the museum was entirely committed to this work, um, yet often those community engagement workers that I was talking to felt that their practice wasn't understood and was broadly undervalued. And I think at uh, and, you know, a kind of easy response to that might be that, that you know, that there are these kind of hierarchies in, in the museum. And, and I suppose what I try to do in the book is really unpick the organisational structures to try and understand what's going on. And, you know, it's, it's not just about people's kind of sense of professional expertise being under threat or, or, or although some of that is happening I think what within an institution of the size of Tyne and Weir there's something about that size actually that means that teams are incredibly siloed and therefore kind of people's professional identities are defined within those silos and sometimes I suppose against or in relation to other teams so you know curatorial work is not community engagement work community engagement work is 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 not conservation work and people and and there was a sense of of professionals that were kind of clearly demarcating their work um and I suppose something to to say about the book which is actually typical of museums in the last 10 years is that a lot of the research was done under the context during the context of austerity and and you know cuts to museums so you know a sense of a profession that's also feeling quite strained and under threat anyway and I think that's partly why people then have to demarcate um, their their professional value so I think there's a bit of 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 that going on but what I found really interesting is 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 you know say in in kind of the early the kind of 2012 when I'd started this research for the book lots of people had kind of community engagement or outreach in in their job title and I think then when the cuts came those were the first jobs to to, to go um I think by and large you know I don't have the exact evidence to back it up but my sense is that a lot of those 
um, jobs were, were 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 kind of were the ones that went, were the ones that cut. And what's interesting now, I think, as museums, as you know, none of that's gone away, right? You know, the and and with the context of a pandemic and museums having to have been closed for for nearly. I've lost count now, is it nearly 12 months? You know, the financial pressures on museums are huge and are, and are more profound. And I think what that has done is that the museum has had to ask itself, like a lot of public institutions are asking themselves, what what is our relevance today and tomorrow in a kind of, well, I suppose continuing, we're hardly post-pandemic, are we? So within that kind of profound rethinking of what the relevance of a museum is today, I feel like community engagement and community engagement roles are starting to appear more and more. So I I see them more often now in job descriptions. I see them more often in job roles. And I think there's something going on there in terms of how the museum is now considering what its role might be. But the, the, I suppose the figure of, of the kind of community engagement worker in the museum is 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 still not one that is kind of fully articulated because well, what I suggest in the book is that it doesn't fit neatly within bureaucratic structures because it's all about that relational work. It's all about that care work. It's all about those skills and practices that 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 aren't kind of part of the traditional work of the museum in some ways I mean it's interesting isn't it because care is fundamentally what the museum is about museums exist to care for objects and that's what they do and that's what they're incredibly good at doing and I suppose the idea that they should care for people isn't entirely new and I'm not claiming in the book that 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 saying that is new but I suppose what I'm how do we care for people and how do we care for communities is something that I kind of really explore more deeply in in the book so so you know what what does it mean to talk about museum workers care work what does it mean to talk about it now the book is written well it was you know it was completed before the pandemic um, and since then, I've been reflecting a lot on some of the things that I've written about this idea of a museum as a space of social care. And I have a sense that, you know, maybe this idea is ever more significant and perhaps ever more urgent as, as you know, it's been made plain to see how much we need care, how much we need to care better, you know, how careless our world is in so many directions and what might be the world, the work of culture um, in, in caring for and, and also in repairing our communities um, post-pandemic. You kind of answered this already, but it'd be great to know more actually about the possibility of the museum as a space of, of social care after the pandemic. So you mentioned, you know, um, on the one hand, in the British, or you know, more properly, I guess, the kind of English context, cuts are falling on outreach and community engagement workers. Um, institutions are, you know, quite fearful of, of their financial futures. But equally, you know, museums are also thinking about how they can engage communities, 
how they can have, you know, stronger relationships with the places that they're based in and maybe actually, you know, with um, communities that have, have suffered greatly um, from the pandemic. And I think it's interesting to contrast uh, primarily with, you know, w- with the US where um, the sheer range of different kinds of, of museums has, has meant that, you know, there's been some places that have just totally shut down, some places that have sacked loads of their staff, other places that have, you know, tried to kind of reorientate to being um, essentially kind of community hubs, you know, less uh, museums and more, I guess, kind of social work um, sort of, of places. And yeah, um, I guess, are you hopeful about museums in the future being these spaces for social care or are we likely to kind of run into audits, targets, lack of flexibility, you know, a sense of things happened during the pandemic, but now we need to kind of return to business as usual almost? I don't think any of us can return to business as usual, although part of me does feel that that will happen. Um, I am hopeful for a different version of a museum. So the idea that museum as a space of social care for me is fundamentally about a museum that's connected to its communities that is embedded in place and that is thinking about how it might be part of wider landscapes of support in the community and that could take lots of different shapes. So the way I articulate the museum as a space of social care in the book is in relation to the work of Tyne Way Archives and Museums with health and social care partners. And it's the work of the outreach team. So it's a part of what the museum does. It's not the whole of the museum. And in fact, all the other work that Tyne Weir does in terms of exhibitions, in terms of kind of, you know, it's international collaborations the research that it does on collections is all is all important as well I suppose the the museum as a space of social care might be also about a kind of ethos and you know in the last part of the book I talk about the ethics of care that I think could be a, a philosophy a way of thinking that drives forward museum work in in a new set of directions and so I am hopeful that that this idea of care might help um, people articulate what it is that they do or what it is that they want to do. There's an interesting sense in which, you know, as I was saying, the pandemic has made so dramatically clear our need for care is I think people are also gravitating towards that language of care. You know, I've seen kind of opinion pieces, conferences, the sector is starting to talk a little bit about what kind of cultures of care do we need, both for staff, you know, staff who are exhausted, who've been on furlough, who, you know, are, you know, have lost their jobs, etc. You know, I think staff well-being as well is at a kind of critical low. So I think people are talking about the cultures of care that we need within organisations, but also more broadly about what what could a museum do um, to to support communities that have suffered so I mean it's really hard to you know a lot of the work that happened in Tyne and Weir happened because it was driven by individuals and it kind of happened despite 
some of the other barriers to this work, whether that's lack of funding or the or even the kind of impositions of funding when we're talking about audit management and and targets, etc. And so I'm kind of hopeful because the museum sector just some of it just kind of gets on and does stuff. Um, and it does stuff with very little money, and there's problems with that. But you know, there's there's lots of really exciting practice happening, and I think there are growing networks of museum professionals that are supporting one another and that are kind of changing or or transforming the sector in lots of different ways. But the flip side of that is that you know the monolithic institution of a museum I don't think is is really going anywhere um and and you know what we're also seeing is 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 a way in which culture is now being caught up I suppose in what 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 we're calling the or what what is being called the kind of culture wars and you know, a kind of recentering of of what culture is and what stories museums should and shouldn't tell about, particularly about our um, our histories of empire. So there's a lot going on in this particular moment in the cultural sector and in the museum sector. I feel. Um, so I don't think it'll be a kind of single response from museums post pandemic, but I think there's a real it's not really an opportunity, I don't really want to call it an opportunity, but I think there's a real desire to do this work um, and there's a real need for museums to respond um, and and to think about how they work in communities and how they could work differently. I mean, this is why I think, and I mentioned this at the start, why the book is so, you know, kind of well-timed and so so important you know it would have been important um without the pandemic but i think it offers um an alternative actually you know and and perhaps a map of how a museum sector could do something uh differently and can respond not just to things like um financial and organizational pressures but precisely to some of those uh culture war issues that you've mentioned yeah i I hope so you know i suppose you you write these books because you know you know, I wrote this book also because Tyne and Weir are doing amazing things and, and Zoe Brown team has been doing really great things over the years. So, you know, I kind of wanted to articulate that and, and present it back to the sector. Yeah, as, as a roadmap, as a set of coordinates, as a way of thinking, you know, the idea of, of care thinking that we spoke a little or that you mentioned at the beginning of this conversation. That's really what the book kind of presents and the hope is really that people can take that language, can take that way of thinking and apply it to to their contexts. And that that can be a source of inspiration, but also, you know, a way of speaking about the, the importance of the work and, and and the significance of the work and, and how it can have impact. 